The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Um, it is a, a pleasure to be here uh, to have a chance to talk to you this last week of classes, this final Monday uh, on my birthday, and uh, to uh, open the word uh, and to uh, wrap up this series from the book of Proverbs, The Wisdom of an Intentional Life. And so I want to do that uh, this morning with you. Uh, if you want, you can open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 21. There's one verse there. We'll be moving around and reference the passage that Dean Swift read for us as well. <clears throat> as you uh, conclude the semester, we do want to state, as Dean Swift has already done, that we are praying for you. Uh, praying for you that you are able to finish, that you're able to finish well, that the Lord uh, would give you grace and strength equal to the tasks that are set before you in these final uh, weeks of the semester and uh, final exam week to come for those that are graduating. Uh, and I just want to encourage you to stay the course and to uh, seek help where uh, it may be found. Everyone here is committed to seeing you succeed, so please, if you need something, let it be known. But do know that we're praying for you as we close out. Lots of activities as well, as was said, so a busy end of the year, and it comes upon us quickly, uh, and just want you to be mindful of the fact that we are here for you as we are all year, but uh, as it comes to a close, please don't hesitate to ask if you need something. I want to uh, wrap up this semester in thinking about the book of Proverbs and this intentional life of wisdom, in a way coming full circle to where we started in the beginning of the semester, we talked about the importance of wanting to be wise uh, and what it means to live an intentional life. And so I want to sort of conclude along those lines, particularly focused on this issue of, of what we want. The passage that I uh, was reading uh, this last week in chapters 20 and 21, there's one that just comes leaping out at me. It's Proverbs 21, 21. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life righteousness, and honor. And uh, so often I find myself in conversations with people wanting to know what is the Lord's will for their life, what should they do, where should they go, whom should they marry, whom should they avoid marrying, those kinds of things. And I'm always struck by how clear the Bible is about the things that we should pursue, and always mindful that if we spent our time pursuing those things, everything else sort of falls in line. Proverbs 21, 21, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. It sounds like other passages of the Bible that you know, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The passage that was read for us from the book of Philippians, set your minds on these things. If you think on these things, what you end up realizing is when you think on these things, it's less likely that you're spending time thinking on the other things. This idea of being intentional in, in, in our choosing, it's part of what it means to, to live a wise life, is that we're not living it without purpose. You know, when the experience Karen days come and I'm talking to the parents and prospective students, I refer to this, that we, because we educate you to serve Christ, it means that your life is to be lived with purpose and for a purpose. As Christians, we don't sort of plod through life aimlessly, that that passage in Proverbs 4 that we began this semester with, let your eyes look directly ahead of you. Don't turn to the left or the right. 
that you are actually living life on purpose. And that means the life of the mind. But the life of the mind is not separated from the life of our will and desires. I think what happens to us so often is we live in this world where we want to sort of separate and say, well, this is my intellectual life and this is my spiritual life or my emotional life. And it's dangerous because the world around us right now is it's pushing us towards an emotional orientation, an experiential orientation. We somehow think that is separated from our life of the mind when in fact what it is doing is actually diluting the life of the mind. In other words, it says if you want it, if you feel like you want it, then that makes it a good thing. But Solomon here in these Proverbs says just the opposite. Pursue righteousness and kindness, and you'll find life and righteousness and honor. It's interesting that honor and life come from pursuing righteousness and kindness, not from pursuing life and honor. That when we actually pursue the right things, everything else sort of lines up. You know, C.S. Lewis talked about this several times, uh, the idea that if you pursue comfort Rather than truth, in the end, you will have neither. But if you pursue truth, in the end, you will have both. That if we set our minds on the right things, the right things happen. But when we set our minds on the wrong things, we're given to folly. In fact, what the Proverbs teach us is we're not just given to folly, we're given to demise and destruction. That what we set our minds on and what we want matters a great deal. And so it's no surprise that at the end of that that letter to the church at Philippi that the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, reminds them that they are to set their minds on the right things. Think on these things rather than your circumstances, rather than the things that are going on around, rather than the wrong things that will lead you astray. If you think on whatever is good and true and worthy of honor, those things actually have a positive impact on you. But if you set your mind on the other things, it will not go well for you. And that's actually this idea of navigating life skillfully, the the practical benefit of of living life wisely, on purpose, with some degree of intentionality. The one who pursues righteousness and kindness finds life and righteousness and honor. Conversely, then, if we set our minds on other things, other things happen to us. I'm often struck uh, by several places in the in the New Testament, particularly I'm struck by the Apostle Paul's life. And he struggles with this, obviously. He has moments of honesty, like in Romans 7, where he says, the things I want to do, I don't. The things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. That's a very honest, transparent struggle. The things I want to do, I somehow can't get to do. And the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. Now, here's what I'd say. If the Apostle Paul, wanting to do the right thing, is having trouble doing the right things and always finds himself doing the things he doesn't want to do, How much worse is it to want to do the wrong things? If the Apostle Paul, with all that he'd experienced in the depth of faith, having been confronted on Damascus Road, wants to do the right things and fails, and finds himself doing the things he doesn't want to do, then if we actually on purpose decide we want the wrong things, how much more destructive is that? In fact, it's interesting to me, I, I, I think about another passage where at the end of that, that, that love passage, 1 Corinthians 13, he says, hey, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I acted as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. I've read that passage so many times in my life, and I've actually shared with students over the years that this is what strikes me about that. Do you want to be mature? 
Do you want to be a man? Do you want to be a woman? Or do you want to continue being a child? Because what Paul says is, when I was a child, I behaved this way and I thought this way and acted this way. When I became a man, which means he moved towards maturity. And part of wanting the right things is not wanting the wrong things. And in this is great wisdom. In this passage in Proverbs, if you pursue righteousness and kindness, you'll find life and righteousness and honor throughout the entire book of Proverbs. And I would encourage you to, if you take up this practice, I've been trying to encourage you gently all semester to do this, to read a portion of it every day. Look for that recurring theme of setting your minds on the right thing, of pursuing and going after the right things and avoiding the wrong things. Remember, I think I said this last time, in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is sometimes equated with righteousness and uprightness and foolishness or folly is equated with sinfulness and wickedness in the book of Proverbs. And so there's this idea that we should be striving for and seeking and pursuing those things that are good and right and wise and upright. And those things will bring us blessing. But if we go after the wrong things, then we find ourselves in trouble. But it gets even more complicated than that as you're reading through the book of Proverbs. It's possible to go after good things for the wrong reasons, and they will be your ruin. In this chapter 21, there's an interesting thing that whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Okay. In verse 17, it says this, Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man, and he who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Okay, you read that. That's good enough, right? Okay, so be careful because you don't want, if you go after these things, you'll be poor and, and you'll not be rich. But then right down below in verse 20, it says this, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling but a foolish man devours it. The thing about wisdom is it's not just wanting to go after the right things and not wanting to go after the wrong things. It's being certain that actually we're very careful not to be controlled by our appetites. There's nothing wrong in the Bible with wine and oil. The issue is that the fool devours it, makes it its desire, the thing that he wants more than anything else, and that will be his ruination. But the wise man's house has great treasure in oil because he hasn't made that the object of his affections. It's not the thing that he's driving after. We constantly make this mistake. How many times have you heard people say, money is the root of all evil? Eh, Wrong answer. What is the root of all evil? The love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money. Because you can't serve two masters. And so the issue is not the object itself. It's that wanting the right things and doing things for the right reasons matters. And that is wise living. But it requires a degree of self-awareness and intentionality. I want to call your attention to a couple of things in these, this brief window of Proverbs, chapters 20 and 21, about wanting the right things and not wanting the wrong things. In chapter 21 and verse 6, we read this, the getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. I'll tell you something. Um, the, 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 the wise men who are recording these sayings to be passed on to their children and others, they're, they're doing it with dramatic fashion. It's a snare of death. How many of us actually go through life thinking that, that lying is actually a snare of death? Most of us think lying is something that you're not supposed to do. Right? You might have gotten in trouble for it as a kid, and you maybe, you know, it's not befitting us as Christians, but how many of us actually see it as a snare of death? Right? A snare of death. 
says that, that if you go after treasure by lying, if you're actually looking to say, I want that thing so badly, I will violate my own integrity, I will lie and break a commandment, I will actually pursue it by whatever means, means necessary. What the Proverbs are saying here is, that's a snare of death. It is for your ruin. And it isn't that the eyes are fixed on lying, it's that the eyes are fixed on success with no regard for how to get there. I want great treasure no matter what, and I will lie to get it. And if you do that, it's a snare of death for you. It will trip you up. It will ruin you. It will ruin you. The getting of treasure by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. But the Proverbs also tell us that the one who walks uprightly, who is diligent and vigilant, who's not a sluggard, who isn't given to sloth, that person also is capable of getting riches and having great treasure. But they're doing it because they're just a good person doing life the right way, and the Lord blesses them, and they prosper. This person is getting treasures by a lying tongue, and that's a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. There's nothing that comes of it that is good. And so we live in a world that says when you set your eyes on something, go get it no matter what. Go get it no matter what. But Proverbs says you you don't really have that option. So be careful not to want that thing, the treasure. Because you'll, you'll compromise yourself to get it. Rather, focus on these things, righteousness and kindness. The good things outlined in the passage that was read from Philippians. In chapter 20 and verse 17, we read this, Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be full of gravel. The idea here is that you can actually get bread by deceit. You can actually satisfy yourself by being deceitful. But it's, it, it may taste sweet for a moment. Why does bread gained by deceit taste sweet? Because it didn't cost you anything. You didn't have to sow You didn't have to plow, you didn't have to sow, you didn't have to reap, you didn't have to grind, you didn't have to bind, you didn't have to shape, you didn't have to bake, you didn't have to slice, you didn't have to butter. You just simply got it, and it was good and sweet to you. But the proverb says it's like a mouthful of gravel eventually. How many times do you want something that is good? There's nothing wrong with bread, but you actually want the bread so badly that you're willing to get it by deceit thinking it's good, it's it's good, but what this passage is saying is it may be good for a moment, right? The Bible teaches us this, the, the pleasure of sin is for a season. It's fleeting. Well, what does this mean for us? Well, look, bread is bread in the Bible. You know, when you, when you see bread, it's bread. Land is land. I'm a firm believer in those literal things, right? It's also true that the Bible uses metaphors and that things can be expanded upon, right? Jesus is a kind of door. He's not actually wooden planks on hinges, right? The idea is we get that, how that works. Bread gained by deceit is sweet, but eventually it's like a mouthful of gravel. Well, what are the things that represent bread in your life? Grades, success, recognition, acknowledgement, a good position, What are the things that you're going after that in and of themselves are not evil, but the willingness to achieve them or to get them by deceit may taste sweet for a moment, but it's like a mouthful of gravel. There's no long-term satisfaction in getting good things the wrong way. The issue is if you want the right things, those good things come, but if you set your minds on those things, you will compromise yourselves to get them. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be full of gravel. What does that mean? Well, 
if you just think about this, and I've, I've said this in my class, turning in academic work that is not yours is not just a misrepresentation. It is a serious breakdown, a serious character failure. It's a failure of integrity. It is deceitful. Whether that's artificial intelligence or someone else's work, you're gaining bread. You may even get a good grade. You may be able to slip by all the programs that we use to evaluate your work. And it may taste sweet to you in the moment, but trust me, it's a mouthful of gravel. Why? Because there will come a time in your life where you have to deliver by your own hand and you will not know how to do it. And you will be found out and all will be lost. The point is that in the long term, it's setting our minds on the right things and going after them the right way. In chapter 20 and verse 1, we read this, Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Setting our minds on a good time is actually problematic. The Proverbs are replete with exhortations to be sober-minded, to not be given to drunkenness. And yet David says, wine is a good thing, it makes glad the heart. But when you pursue that kind of pleasure that you just want to be in a position where nothing is, is, is inhibited, you're completely free in the moment, you're in a social setting, you're just letting it all hang out and you're going after it. Trust me, in that is folly because what you're doing is pursuing something that will be your ruination. It's a mocker, a brawler, and you'll be led astray by it. So what are the things that we actually find ourselves as a result of walking through this world wanting that we shouldn't want? Is it acknowledgement? Is it accolades? Is it achievement? Is it position? Is it status? Is it a good time? Is it pleasure? Is it fun? Is it titillation? Is it entertainment? Is it, is it you know, a sort of success on the athletic field? Is it applause? What is it that we set our minds on that we want those things and we pursue them and find ourselves getting at them any way we can that is really foolish and will not benefit us in the long term? Because if we want the right things for the right reasons, everything takes shape in a coherent and beneficial way. I over and over in the Proverbs, you're confronted with is God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And the issue is that the, pride, the prideful, the proud, they want to take things in their, their own way. Their own, I want it by my own measure. I want it by my own time. I want, it, I want it in my own time. I want it by my own hand. I want it so no one else can get credit. I want, I want, I want, I want. Where actually what the proverb says is God gives grace to the humble. You set yourself down. You lay it aside. You want to be humble. And wanting humility is a very humbling thing. Because humility is not one of those things you can say, I've been working on it for a while, and boy, am I nailing it. Because once you do that, it's over, right? <laughs> wanting humility is, is wanting something that you want in quiet, in a closet that no one sees, which is, I am not desirous of position or status or achievement or accolades or applause or riches. I don't want those things. I don't want simple pleasures that are fleeting. I don't want to gratify my base instincts. I don't want to seek sexual pleasure that's over and over. I want the good things. I want to humble myself in obedience to the Lord and want what he wants, which is what the son of Solomon wrote in Psalm 37. What? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will what? Give you the desires of your heart. Because when you delight yourself in the Lord, what ends up happening, it doesn't mean you get all those base things. It means that when you delight yourself in the Lord, humbly and obediently, wanting what he wants, 
your desires change. If you are struggling here in this point in time in life of wanting the wrong things, sit down and pray a prayer that will take a great deal of courage and faith. God, strip from me the things I want that are not right and give me a desire to want the right things, not the wrong things. And the truth is that's a moment of confrontation because in the end, I don't want to give up the things that, want, that I want right now for immediate gratification in the temporary. Delayed gratification, waiting on the Lord to give me things in his timing, that's not natural. And guess what? The same man who wrote the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing, he's the one that had a thorn in the flesh that three times went before the Lord and said, take this from me. I'll do great things if you take this from me. And God said what? My grace is sufficient for you. The temptation is to want things by our own hand and our own timing, by our own measure. And that is to want the wrong things for the wrong reasons. And the wise life is to want the good things. To pursue righteousness and kindness. To desire humility and wisdom. To fear the Lord. To do justly. And to love mercy. That when we set our minds on those things, other things fall away. And the danger is, if you start thinking, well, I could never do that because I, I, I just can't do that. The, the reality is, you're not going to stop making certain mistakes. You're not going to stop wanting the wrong things or thinking the wrong things unless you actually replace those things with these other things. If you are struggling, my guess is, if you're struggling to think about the things that are good and true and noble and worthy of respect, the chances are you're spending your time thinking about the other. And if you think, I'm not going to think about this, I'm not going to think about this, I'm not going to think about this, what are you doing? Thinking about it all the time, right? Like those donuts, right? <laughs> But if you, say, if you say, no, I'm actually, I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to think about this instead. The righteousness of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God. If you, that's the whole point of spending your personal time. It's not to check a box saying, I had devotions. Aren't I a good boy today or a good girl today? No, it's actually to set your minds on the things of God, to delight in him and watch the transforming work that takes place. That is wise living. That's living life on purpose. But if you're given to the push of the world that says, if you want it in your basest instincts, go get it. Gratify your flesh. Gratify the immediate desires. You deserve it. After all, you deserve it. It's everywhere. Everywhere. Try to open something on social media that isn't telling you how wonderful you are and how deserving you are of all the good things in life. And then think about whether or not that is consistent with wise faithful, obedient, Christian living in light of the gospel and the redeeming work of Christ. The wisdom of an intentional life is stepping back from life once in a while and examining honestly the desires that you have, the wants that you have. Those moments of honesty that's the path, because what you realize is you're not operating in a fear and reverence of the Lord. You don't respect him as you ought. You don't want the things that he wants. And that can be a very confronting moment, and it's the beginning of turning to a path that is very different from the gratification of self, but rather living life for the purposes of God. My prayer for you as you complete this semester, as you go into the summer, is that is exactly what you would experience, a confrontation 
with, with God that would cause you to think deeply about what it is you want from this life. I am, find myself constantly asking you as students in conversations, whether it's about marriage or work or studies, what do you want? What do you want? And I promise you that if what you want is something shallow and fleeting, something immediate, something that you think will, will, will satiate, satisfy your immediate desires, chances are it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness and grace and for the wisdom that comes from you. We thank you that you are the source of truth and beauty and goodness. And we pray for grace to be honest with ourselves before you about those things that we want. Give us the grace and strength and faith to, to humble ourselves before you, to delight ourselves in you, to fix our eyes and our minds on the things that are good. To trust you to provide for us according to your good and perfect will rather than take matters into our own hands. Father, we pray that we might be honest as Paul is before you. That the things we want, we don't do. And the things we don't want to do, we keep on doing. We pray for grace. Do a work in us to make us your humble and obedient and faithful servants, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Have a great last week of classes.